You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Hey guys, thanks for joining us again here on The Magna Method with host Mark Magna. Today we cap off our rowing series with world champion Eric Murray. Eric is super knowledgeable in the field of rowing and he's been super gracious in donating his time to give us tips and wisdom about becoming a better rower. If you ever get a chance to watch this guy row, you will truly be amazed. Now let's get into the podcast and hear what Eric has to say about his rowing experiences and where he sees himself in the future. So uh, I, I want to uh, jump right in and, and and ask you about. I mean, I've been reading up on you, and uh, you know, something caught me um, caught my eye, and I, I'm, we can talk about it later. We could talk about it now, but the reason I, I looked into you is because someone mentioned your name, and they told me that you were, you know, a legendary rower, of course. And then I saw the the uh, half marathon you did. And and I and I'll just I mean I I we could do a whole episode just about that half marathon. Oh man, cause oh yeah, I I used to hold the hour world record as well until um, a Canadian guy, uh, Conlon McCabe, broke that uh, at the end of last year. And yeah, he's got he's got way more potential than I do because he's bigger and stronger. And um, but yeah, that was that was probably about my second time doing that hour. But the after we had done a few of those hours, it used to be. It used to be a, a test with our coach. He'd literally would have the break up before Christmas, and of course on the twenty third or like last session twenty third of December, and we'd you know be, be ready a couple of days off. He'd go right. We're going to do an hour test, like as fast as you can go, and you're just like shit. And so the first time, first couple of times you do it, you have no idea how to pace yourself. You know how to actually do it. Right. Um, and you quite often start off too fast and die, which is horrible. <laughs> Or you don't go out hard enough, and then of course you're trying to make up the time at the finish, and you never can. So then, when you time it perfectly, like you are literally getting to about 15 minutes to go, going, okay, I'm not going to get any faster. If I can maintain this, I'm going to get a really good score, and that's basically where it came from. Um, yeah, next minute I'm like, shit, you know what? I reckon I could hold this split, and um, yeah, you go for. I oh, actually, I'll send you a link. There's um, there's a link on, I think it's on YouTube of me doing the hour world record when I did it. It was like 2011. And um, my heart rate got to 190 after 10 minutes, and then I held it there all the way. <laughs> I think I might have seen that, or maybe, wait, let me, because I, I have some things pulled up that I wanted to ask you about. But I mean, you realize that your heart rate got up to 199? I didn't even know that was possible. I will see the one thing with, with training, and like, I, like, because I asked our physiologist while we were doing it, and he said, but if you're trying to work that really high end aerobic uh, zone, you can get your heart rate up higher. So of course, if you just if you just did a workout where you built and built and built and built and built and kept going like over a period of time, you'll get your heart rate up really high. It's hard to get your heart rate up high when you like jump straight into like your lactate zones. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you build through that aerobic, the heart's trying to pump as fast as it can to keep the oxygen coming, you know, and it keeps coming, and then you just keep pushing, you keep pushing, keep pushing. It's really hard to do. Um, but you'll notice that you can get your heart rate up even higher just by doing that gradual build. 
more than just trying to do like an all-out sprint um, where you're using like that that lactate burning zone rather than like your, your aerobic zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before you hit that, uh, right now I have the screen of the uh, half marathon. It's the uh, you pulled a, you held a one thirty six six split and you did it in a minute seven fifty eight. Did you warm yeah. up for that or did you kind of go into it? Oh, I warmed up a little bit, not not overly, probably sort of, I don't know, 10 minutes of just slowly building up to sort of a, a, at a U2 base, you know, my aerobic zone for about five or six minutes and then just did a few pieces at like getting it up to like the rate. I think I rated like 32 or whatever it was for the whole way. Mm. And then you're just like, oh, well... <laughs> <laughs> it's now or never yeah. and then yeah you just got to and, and all you got to do is you just got to commit and then pretty much just zone out it's it's one of these things that it's you know I, I, I've never run a marathon but I'd say it's one of those you've just got to get into a zone and you just got to sit on it you know and if you if you if you if your mind wanders and stuff you'll slow down or you'll go too fast you know that type of thing and I just was looking at a split and all I was thinking about was efficiency you know just Work the drive, relax the recovery, and because if you keep it, if you just don't burn all your energy in ways that you don't need to, then you're going to get to the finish line and, and re- reasonable stead, shall we say? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which video was I watching where you did it? Is it your uh, your partner? Is was Hamish? Yeah. Uh, did you do both of those with him? Uh, yeah, he did. Um, he that one there. He did the hour because. We were always doing the hour, and I was like, oh, mate, can I – and I said to the coach, I said, oh, well, look, well, while everyone else does the hour, can I do the half marathon, which is obviously longer, you know, an hour and seven minutes. But, um, and he's like, yeah, fine. Right. <laughs> so so basically you're trying to uh, – in a way, you know, you brush, brush your ego a little bit, but it's also a test because it's not, it's not something that people try and do. You know, it's one of these things where that was my forte. That was what I was good at, which was like long – like high intensity endurance, which is what we were training for, right. uh, and and of course I was like, well, why not actually, you know, target something that you can train towards? It's it's not something you really train towards. You just got to keep trucking along with like everything you do, uh, but ultimately in the end you've just got to be able to know how to execute it and and give it a whirl. So that was it. Right. And he, what what did he? What does he pull? How many meters does he pull for that hour? About. Oh, I think 18, 18, four, maybe eighteen five. Wow. wow. Yeah. So he he was. I think he was one set like one thirty high one thirty sevens, like one thirty seven eight or one thirty seven nine or something. Okay. So, but I but the the I think I'm pretty certain the hour world record I did was about the same split that I did for that half marathon. So of course it was once you learn what you can do, then you're like, okay, well I did it for an hour. Surely I can do it for a little bit longer if I think about a few things. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you thinking? That that that's a great question. Uh, leading up to this, you obviously try to. I'm assuming you try to get a good night's sleep. But what other preparation goes into this uh, leading up to it? Oh, uh, it's for, for what we were doing at the time because we're obviously like flat water rowing. Um, we're pretty much just rowing like every day, you know, doing, you know, cup like two, two, two hour sessions on the water. So that, that was, that was our bread and butter was being on the water. Cause ultimately we would just do it like we were wanting to get faster on the water. So then I supplemented that with, instead of doing like three extra rows in the afternoon, I said to the like physiologist, mate, can I do a few things on, on the erg? And he's like, yeah, sweet. And, and of course they were things like doing, you know, 
you know, two or oh, three, three 20 minute pieces, you know, like building up to that rate, um, you know, stuff like that. So it was sort of like 26, 28, 30, 32, you know, five minute breaks and I was uh, in five minute segments. And so it was tough. Like it was, it was pretty hard, but you just got to push yourself as much as you can, but not right up to that level, but just touch on it a little bit. And the fatigue that you get from doing that helps build that endurance that you need. Mm-hmm. So those were the specific things because it's it's not something that you can really, really do. Like I know there's a few people out there trying to like do 100K world records and stuff like that. And the only way to do it is just to do like yeah. like like 60% of the time or maybe even 70% of the time, which is so hard because you're going to do 100, 100K. Yeah. You know, you're going to be on there for like four hours or whatever the hell it's going to be, four or five hours. Mm-hmm. And um, so sitting on the rowing machine for like two and a half hours at a time is, is tough. But oh, it, And of course, cool. yeah. But And then like when you, when you stretch it out and say, okay, this is my test, then you probably can just pull it out of the bag, which is what you do. But you would, you would never just go, oh, actually, I'm just going to do 100K today just to try and do it. You'll be like, you know, that's... That takes you a long, because these sort of things take you a long time to recover from. Mine, mine probably took me about seven or eight days if, if I put a number on it. Oof. Yeah. Oof. That sounds <laughs> rough. Now, talk to me about, and I noticed in that video, I wanted to highlight some something for our, our listeners. You know, we get a lot of people who listen who are current athletes, former athletes, collegiate high school athletes, and people who are just curious about, you know, the capacity of the human body. You know, at the end of that, you were... I, one video, I, I, I'm not sure if it was you. I'm pretty sure it was you because I didn't see anyone else smiling. But I think you were smiling and you were screaming at your partner to push a little bit harder. Was that true? Yeah, because I said to him to try and start. We would sort of worked out the time and I said, because oh, I, I wanted him to like try and match my rate, but he didn't. So he was, he was slowing me down, actually. I had to zone him out. Um, and, of course, so what happened was... Um, I basically, uh, yeah, he started about seven minutes after, or eight minutes after I begun, and so yeah, he was still going towards the end. And because we were a partnership, you know, we were in the pair, and yeah, you know, yeah. Olympic aspirations, all this sort of thing. It was like, mate, you know, like I'll cheer you along when I need, I, I want you to go faster and, and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's just uh, you know, it's that team camaraderie that, that you have between each other. Right. Not not that many people could can be smiling at. Uh, an hour and seven in or hour and five in with two minutes left it's, it's usually a different kind of look so uh, hats yeah, off to and, you for that yeah and it's it's one thing that i've sort of i've looked upon i i don't know when i i don't know when i sort of clicked on it right you know i watch these people do these ergs okay and they and they literally like you like i spend myself like i i'm counting down the the distance or whatever, if it's a 2K, a 500 meter, a 1,000 or whatever it is, yeah, and so you're absolutely maxed out. But there's no way that you should be able to just flop on the floor, you know. You see people fall off the erg and, and they fall on the ground and I'm like, come on, you know, like sit up. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people just don't know that active recovery is better than lying on the bloody floor. Oh, yes. You know, oh, yes. like like just, just move the legs, drop the handle and then just zip up and down on the slide holding your seat Breathe in some oxygen, and within five minutes, you'll feel amazing. Lay on the floor. That's why you're there 20 minutes later, and you can't get up because all of a sudden, all the hydrogen ions are pulled in your muscles, and you're like, and you're screwed. You know, like right. so. Just, just, just move along, and and yeah, if you do, you know, like if you do get to that point of blackout, which you know sometimes you get pretty fuzzy and things like that, you've just got to 
you just got to try and, and compose yourself because when you're in pressure situations, it's the composure that makes the difference, in my opinion. Oh yes, I can. I completely agree. I think social media has been a big contributor to like the acting that happens after you know post post two K and. You know, everyone thinks it has to. I mean, listen, I don't think you should go through it and it should be smooth and fun. But at the same time, I, you can sit up and compose yourself, as you said. And I completely agree. It's a big, there's something special to compose, to be able to compose yourself in the worst of times. So, well, you look at, I, I, I take the, um, I take this, but you know, you watch track cycling, you know, in the velodrome. Yeah, of course. You know, those guys are going full tits on these track bikes and when you cross the finish line you are giving 100% you're slowing down you've got nothing else to give what do you got to keep doing off the end of it you got to keep moving right. 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 <laughs> so you know it's <laughs> it's one of those things you, you've still got to keep going and you can't just like stop so it's pretty similar although it's more of a mental thing than it is anything else got it understood so talk to me about height and weight what, what is your height and, and what is your weight Currently, uh, my height is one ninety four centimeters. So sorry, six foot, uh, six foot four, um, and my weight currently is about one one eight, one ten. So I'm about ten kgs heavier than I was when I was competing okay. rowing. It, okay, so that that sits at about what uh, two two no, I used. I think I used to be about two twenty. I think two twenty is like a hundred kilograms. Right. So I'd probably be closer to two forty, like high two thirty something. Understood. We'd have to Google it. We'd have to yeah, Google it. Of course, of course. I'm not. That's not my. That's not my field. So, um, what about your your top two k time? Just ever. Do you remember what it was on the earth? Yeah, five. Yeah, five forty one. Five forty one. That's yeah. And and I and I. Yeah, and I and I think I could have gone quicker. Yeah. Um, but we just never did it at the right time of year. Right. So like every every country has a has a traditional, I guess, time they do their two K tests, um, and it, and it all varies around the world. You know, like in in America, you guys are, are stuck because of the the snow and everything else and right. the weather. But most people can't get out training. We see down here in New Zealand, we row. 24 7 365 mm -hmm. uh because we just we don't freeze like it gets cold here in the winter but when we were in here in the winter we buggered off to europe and right. wherever to race the, the international season so when we're doing our 2k it's january uh, either in january or march like start of march right at the end of february march. and um so we've been we had september off from our our like our campaign and then of course we're building back october november december january february so we only had sort of five months but we're predominantly rowing we're just not even really on the rowing machines we'd be on the rowing machines like maybe twice a week mm -hmm. maybe I, I started doing a little bit more so i could get like a good time but then we get into this massive training block um and we we go from you know March, April, May, June, July into August, and then we race world champs at either the end of August or at the start of September. So, if I'd ever done one at like say start of August, I reckon I would have been maybe two or three seconds quicker. Right. So, I'd like to think I would have. I would have loved to have gone under five forty because that that became like the new magical number. Whereas back in the day, everyone and and it still is to a degree, and I guess college rowing and a few other things. You know, if you can break six minutes, it's a massive barrier. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and every, everyone looks at it and goes, shit, I'd love to break six minutes. And it is, and it's a big task. It's, I still think it's it's quite achievable 
um, for a lot of people that think they can't do it. It's just a matter of, of executing things properly, training properly for it, you know, every, everything that you have to do to be good at it. Um, and, yeah, and so I would have loved to have done that, but, you know, I never did. And, and, but the one thing is I, you know, and now I did that in 2012, and then I pretty much stayed within one or two seconds of it for the next four years. So I didn't, I didn't decrease in time. I was consistently doing like, like five forty twos most of the time. Right. So, yeah. If you had to get down right now and bust one out, what do you think it would? What do you think you could pull? I reckon I could probably do six ten currently. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to think of. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure certain I could do six ten. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's still an incredible sort of, time. Wanted, incredible time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's it's just the knowledge, you know. It's it's in any sport, any sport that you spend so much time doing, you get a you you learn realism. Does that make sense? So you learn what you're capable of achieving, and that to me is one of the key goals and and key things that anybody in any sport and any exercise needs to learn how to do. You know, it's like. You might have spent ages trying to get a massive bench press, you know, and you're, and you're bench pressing sort of 120, 140 kgs or, you know, like 200 pounds or whatever the hell it is. Right. And, and you're like, yeah, sweet as. And then, then, of course, you don't do it for like months and months and then you back down, you know, sort of 70% of what you used to be able to do. But you know how to get back to it. You know, you know how – you know that I couldn't put 220 pounds on the on the thing right now and do it because you're realistic. Right. Um, and, and that's and that's what we're like, you know. I I know I'm realistic about all my things that I can do, um, and I. But then you also have a really good gauge in your mind, like actually at the moment I think I could do this, but if I do it a little bit more, I can get to that 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 potential. Um, and having that is so valuable. Uh, and it just takes experience. It just takes time. It takes learning how to do it um, over a period of years, and right. then all of a sudden you've got so much knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I don't think people, when I look at rowers uh, now, I used to, uh, like, the story goes uh, a few years ago, maybe three years ago now, I got on an ERG at a certification, and I was supposed to pull a sub 650, 2K, and I pulled a 649.8, and it was, like, the hardest thing I had ever done, and I had no no understanding of rowing, and I was so upset that I was so bad at it, I purchased an ERG from Concept2, and uh, that night, and I just wanted to get better at it, so I started following people and watching their technique, and I have more respect for rowers than I ever have, and they're some of the toughest people on the planet. I don't think people understand what the, the, the physical hardship, but also the psychological warfare that goes through someone's head. Can you speak oh, to that? It's- yeah, because the, the rowing, well, the rowing motion, it's a full, it's a full body motion, okay? And the, it's just the, the fact that when you're doing it, if you try and take it easy, you slow down. You know, it's, it's basic. It's right. just you've you got to get onto something and you've got to, like, hold it. And I, I try and use the analogy sometimes, you know, you've, whenever you do a piece, you've got a cup of water, okay? And that's all you've got. You've, got, you've only got this cup, whether it's, whether it's a thousand meters, five hundred meters, two k, five k, whatever the hell it is, you've only got a cup of water, and you've got to evenly disperse that all the way, you know. And if you tip a big chunk out at the start, you're going to lose a big chunk at the finish, mm-hmm. and and that's basically how it works. And because there's no, 
because it's it's like hitting a tennis ball against the brick wall you know like you hit it against the brick wall and it's going to come back it's not going to lie to you you're not going to beat it and that's the one thing that's with the, with the machine is it doesn't lie you can't beat it but you can try and get in harmony with it mm-hmm. and it really just tests your physical like your physical capabilities but yes also the mental because you have to know that whatever you can whatever you can produce is what's going to happen you know and you can't go in there going oh yeah no I think I'll be able to like lift it towards the end and then you get to that end point and you're like well I couldn't lift this yeah exactly <laughs> and, and yeah and it just we and it because it's full body it just wears every single muscle little muscle down and so when you try and give extra when you're really struggling there's nothing to give and that's it you know it's a it's the best piece of full body equipment on the market oh, absolutely it's incredible and I think you know, it goes without saying that Concept 2 absolutely dominates the uh, sector. And I, I don't think anyone knows like this, the, the power, the global footprint that Concept 2 has. It, it's just monstrous. Yeah, no, they, they're, they're doing really well, actually. And like, the, you know, the Rome machine is the best thing with the Rome machine is that it's so consistent around the world. It's one of the it's got like a 0.02 of a percent variance in calibration around the world no matter where you go wow and that's and that's the one thing that they've got so if i if i came to america i could jump on and i'd be holding the same splits as i was doing at home you know and if if you you go wherever you go it's just it's bang on the money and there's just nothing else like that out there because you know most machines you know you might lose a little bit of calibration here and there when you move it or you bump the screen and you bump some wires and then it's not picking it up properly you know whatever but the concept two machine just doesn't. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you you've been. I noticed that your profile. I mean, you have two gold medals in the Olympics, and you have eight golds yep. in the World Championships. What what where was your mind at when you were in this training? Because you kept it going for so long. Like, how do you have to live your life in between races, in between Olympic games? And my question, Eric, is. Where was your focus at? Like, how much time did you put into your craft? I can only imagine. And were you, were you on a weightlifting, a weight training, and what other cross-training did you do? And then also nutrition. How important was nutrition as well? Yeah, so, so it was our job. It was our job, basically. Like, you, you, get, you do it as a hobby. You know, it's all fun and games and, and you know, enjoying what you do. Then once you start getting good at it and you start producing some results, you know, when you go to international regattas, then, of course, funding comes in from the government or whoever, and then all of a sudden you're a professional. And so, yeah, semi-professional because, man, you don't get paid much at all. <laughs> and and so your mindset is like, you know what, I, I want to get to the Olympics. And it, and it takes so long, you know. It's not like you can just wake up one morning and say, oh, yeah, cool, I want to go to the Olympics. And Okay, you can. But there's like an it's like an eight or ten year process at least you know depending on your age it's probably like an eight or ten year process because it just takes that amount of time to get the training to get the endurance base up to learn things like the technique like whatever it is um, in order to get to that actual ability and so for us yeah like we our, our mindset was like I I you know I've been rowing pretty much my whole life since I left like high school um, and. So all I was trying to do was be the best in the world, and that went through all the age group stuff, all the way up. Um, yeah, and, and then ultimately, you know, I've, I've been to four Olympics. The first two of them, I got nothing. 
And then, of course, the third one, we finally started, like, finding some magic. So, you know, that's the one thing I try and explain to people is that, like, you know, sure, if you're going to go into this, you very rarely and seldomly, you know, at your first Olympic Games, are you going to win something? Um, you know, some people do, but it's not often. And then it's going to take the learning from that as well um, to, to take you through. So, you know, in our training in our training stuff, we were very like we were predominantly just high-end uh, aerobic-based, like just endurance training. You know, like two-hour rowing sessions or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, twenty to thirty k's on the water a session, six, seven. Well, Eric, how are you? Uh, how are you? I'm sorry to interrupt. How are you recovering from those sessions? I know you're still a young man at this point. What age are you when you started in the Olympics? Uh, so my first Olympics, I was 22. Okay. And then, yeah, and then 26, and then I've won my first medal at 30, and then the second one at 34. So you, you just wow. learn, like, because you, you learn, you know, ultimately when you're a youngster and you come into the program, you can't do the, the 200 plus Ks that is required of you, you know, and you start around sort of 160 a, a week or whatever it is, and then you build up over time, over a year or two, then you're doing sort of average 170, 180, and then you keep building up and you keep building up. Just just because, yeah, if you if you do too much, you just overtrain, you don't recover properly, and then you bug it. And that's why it becomes a job. So you you literally go from, <laughs> when, once you start getting, that's what makes it easy when you get funding, because you go from, uh, you go from, uh, you know, having to work during the day, train early and late, and it, you don't get that optimal recovery right. to being able to train at sort of 7.30 in the morning instead of 5.30. Um, and then you go home during the middle and you rest. You know, like you, mm-hmm. you eat good food and you rest and you sit down and, and you lay in front of the couch, you know, in front of the TV. And if, if you've got a, a session off during the day, uh, then, you, uh, <laughs> then, then you lay down and have a sleep. You know, and so all of these little things just add up to the recovery that you need. And and it's hard. You don't get that until you start getting sort of the funding to do it. You've got to you've got to be hard nosed about it and you've got to find a way to be able to produce the results by doing it hard. Mm-hmm. And then once you get those results and you get that funding then all of a sudden you can get it easier. Um, you, you can do it easier because you're actually getting that funding. Uh, all the things that people do now. You know, like cold plunges, sa- uh, dry saunas, um, you know, massage, the recovery boots, uh, cupping, uh, acupuncture. Did you do any of those things then? Oh, yeah, mate. We were always trying to get, um, you're always trying to get massages. I'm sure. But not, not, a, not a lot. We, we, did, we did cold stuff like towards the end of our time. But unless it's all set up, like a lot of those things, yeah, okay, they, get, they give you a real minimal gain. Um, which yes, when you're talking about marginal gains over a long period of time, yeah, they're awesome. But there's also a lot of time, um, you know, and and that's the whole thing. Is if if we actually were like really professional, I, I would have said, yeah, I'd love to have done all of that. But then and then you'd pretty much live at your training environment. Um, you know, you turn up at seven in the morning, you don't leave till five at night. Um, you know, and and everything's done for you there. But Rowing's just a sport where that doesn't happen, and so you do, and that's and that's the case all around the world. It's not like there's a program in the world that's like, yep, we've got all the cold baths, we've got all the bloody, uh, you know, chambers and and everything else. There's nobody around that actually has it, just because there's, there's no money, um, and, and and so it's it's, it's a reasonably even uh, playing field for all of that. Plus, as well, there's you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of differences in the way that we all train because, of course, 
you know, if you are doing a lot of damage to your muscles, yes, you probably do need a lot more of that. Whereas because ours, most of ours is endurance-based, yeah, we're, we're still damaging muscles a little bit, but not to the extent that you need to try and recover it even quicker. Right, right. Mm. So, you know, your your mindset for this thing, the run the run went on for how many years? Uh, so we we were unbeaten for eight years. Wow, that's incredible. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine when you when you have that kind of success that you know you know everyone wants to be successful but everyone hates successful people as they say there must have been a lot of people trying to come up with reasons why you're so successful not not speaking to like the reasons are you work harder than most people and people don't want to buy that so they make up other reasons did you catch a lot of flack and negativity for you know this winning streak oh uh, well we did a little bit only 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 probably in our last Four years, like the first four years, it was you know we had this great rivalry with a great British crew that were meant, like they were the best guys in the great British team, and then they jumped ship from the pier and they went into the four and one Olympic gold medal. So good, good decision for them. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah. So for us, we were just that was what was happening there. But then we flicked the mind switch, and and like our, after our London year, and we were like, okay, if we go back into this, what are we wanting to achieve? Like, are we just wanting to go and win another medal, or do we want to do? It? And I was like, well. Why don't we just try and smash everyone all the time? You know, like, and, and I mean, you know, like you go into a race or something, you know, people get out in front and they just sit out in front. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, let's not just sit out in front. Let's just like keep moving away from them, like almost demoralize them. I saw a and, few of the and, races. You beat them. It doesn't even look like they were in the same field. No, exactly. And and that's what that's what we started to try and do. And of course, you know, Hamish, um, he he's really driven by that sort of stuff. And he was just like, yeah, perfect. And so, Everything that we tried to do, even in training, when we're training against our mates, it's like if we get in front of you, like we're not just going to sit in front of you. We're going to like say goodbye, you know, good night, shut the door, and then you're going to have to like end up turning up later when we're already finished, you know, like <laughs> that sort of thing. And, and of course, it's yeah, you, you're wanting to work with everyone, but you know, that that was basically the mentality that we had going through that second period, that mm-hmm. second Olympic cycle, was just trying to do it that way. Understood. And how about and, and Eric? How about nutrition? Were you were you really really stringent or really disciplined or not necessarily? Because you're burning so many calories, I don't understand how yeah. you could, could be. Yeah, no, I I wasn't. Okay, <laughs> Hamish was better. I, I did at times, but yeah, it's you get with rowing like you get a huge amount. I, I've got to say the only thing, the only thing that we did better over our time was. Not necessarily like this. Well, you know, like you know what to eat and what not to eat. Okay, it's pretty simple. Right. Um, but it was all about timing. Okay, it was just timing, timing, timing. So if you're going into a race, you've got to have your meal three and a half hours before. You know, so everything is is digesting. It's already in the process. You're starting to get benefits out of the stuff that you got in your gut. Mm. Um, you know, and then when you're finished, like a race. It's, you know, because we were very predominantly the glucose carbohydrate based um, with the, with, you know, in, like endurance and that. So, and that was just what we were. Right. Um, you know, it was like you need some carb gels and shit within five minutes of finishing your race. And you need to be having protein within 15 minutes, you know, all of this sort of stuff really, really quickly. And of course, if you missed that, even in training, if you were sitting around talking to the coach, you'd be like, mate, can I go? Because, if all of a sudden you had to get off and run to a meeting or there was something on that you had to get to, you forgot to do that, man, you noticed it big time. 
Um, so it was really recovery nutrition and um, like race nutrition for us, which was really important. The rest of the time, yeah, man, you're getting home at breakfast and you're just smashing back massive bowls of porridge or cereals or, you know, four or five eggs and scrambled eggs, you know, whatever it is, you just, you're just trying to fuel the body because the next time you go out, yeah, you're going to be burning, you know, shit, anywhere up to like 2,000 bloody kilojoules in a row or whatever the hell you do. Um, and, and it's it's just basically what it is. So it's it's getting it in, but you're not sitting there eating bags of chips and stuff. You're no. you're getting good you're getting good fruits and vegetables and pastas and rice. You know all all the good stuff. Right. Um, and and it's fine. And and yeah, at, at periods like you can eat a ton, and and it becomes a, with like what we were doing at certain periods, man. It become a chore because you were so tired. And you'd be like, oh, I need to go and have like my lunch, but I just really don't want to get out of bed. And then you go there and it was like you had to force it down oh. and then you're losing weight. And so then you've got to try and substitute a bit more high fat in there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's good because you're doing so much. Because you're doing so, so much, right. it doesn't really matter like, yeah, how, like what you're eating, to be fair. Right. Those young bodies can take a lot of punishment, can't they? Oh, no. They, I, I wish I was known. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, talk to me about strength training. Did you do a great bit of strength training or not necessarily? Because I'm, I'm listening to you, Eric. You do so much time rowing and on the water. Like, how much time yep. do you have to train and do another form of training? So, in the in the early years, we did a lot of weight training. So, we did, um, yeah, probably, probably for a good sort of eight years in the system. We were doing weight training religiously three times a week. Yeah, it was generally three times a week. Um, Eric, and it tradi- was, traditional exercises? Oh, very, yeah, pretty much. Like rowing specific, you know, squats, uh, deadlifts, cleans, leg press, you know, seated rows, rows, bit of shoulder press, and just anything to sort of, that was reasonably close to um, like rowing movement. You know, we're not sitting there doing, being, uh, we're, not, we're not sitting there doing too much bench press or we're sitting there doing like bicep curls and shit like that because we don't need it. And, and of course, it worked very really well. Uh, but then what happened was after like um, after 2010, so we'd been like, you know, weight training for like 10 years constantly. Our trainer at the time just literally turned up to the gym and he's like, no, we're not going to be in the gym anymore. We're going to go out for another row. And we're like, what? Well, and he goes, oh, you're going to get faster by being fitter than you are by being stronger. And we went, okay, this, okay, whatever. And we were already on a brutal regime on the water. And so we ended up doing three more rowing sessions a week. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so the, the kilometers went from sort of 220 a week to sort of 260, 280. And I was fucking dying. I was like, oh, my God, what the hell are we doing? And then the only weight training sort of stuff that we would do would be bungees on the water. So in a rowing boat, what you do is you get a you know, like garden hose and you, you cut it and you put a piece of string through it and you tie it around your boat. So you tie a couple of those around your boat. And so basically every time you take a stroke, it almost stops again, you know? Oh, and so it's, it's like chucking the damper up to 10 on the machine. It just pretty much stops every time. And so we do a variety of pieces for, you know, 40 minutes to an hour of, of different rates, different lengths, all this sort of stuff. It, it never used to be a long, continuous one. It was always like rating stuff more than anything. Right. Um, and that actually seemed to be really, really beneficial uh, to rowing. Okay, and that, and that's the whole thing is in the whole scheme of things, you're wanting to be good at rowing. You're not wanting to be good in the gym, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, even in you know my time in the NFL, I would just uh, be enamored by the athletes who 
you know, the chest for NFL athletes coming into the league was 225. I remember very specifically when I was with the Jets, they drafted an offensive lineman in the second round that could only bench 225 four times. And he was an all-pro offensive lineman. And he was amazing. He could play football. But they would always say, you know, you don't want to look like Tarzan and play like Jane. But, you know, uh, I don't want to offend anyone out there. But you want to be strong. You want to be uh, fit for your sport. I'd rather be productive in my sport and then mediocre in the weight room than vice versa. Yeah, well, the one the one thing with rowing, like, and, you know, obviously you've, you've and I've sort of explained it a little bit in my videos and stuff, but if, if you start doing the maths and you start doing the, the physics and everything else that's involved, when you when you look at it, if, if you want to hold 300 watts per stroke and you do it 18 times a minute, okay, that's fine. But if you hold 300 watts and you do it 28 times a minute, you're already going faster. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's no point in trying to be able to hold like 400 watts and not being able to get the rating and stuff. So that rating comes from from being not muscle-bound. You know, there's, there's all these different factors that come into being able to actually uh, like achieve those types of things um, within like the rowing training. And of course, and, and it's like any other sport, you know, some sports, yeah, you need to be really strong and explosive. Whereas in rowing, you need a tiny bit of explosiveness, but you need endurance. And so that's where the whole balance comes in. And if I see if rowing was a 500 meter race, if they like, if they said, right, when no rowing's no longer 2K, it's a 500 meter race, boom, the whole thing changes big time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some. Uh... Some intense 500 meter sessions, specifically with Sam Lott. Oh shit, yeah, Ooh. yeah, oh absolutely, and and that's it. You know, like when you watch him, you know, he was having a nudge at that, you know, one one ten five or whatever it was. Uh, the <laughs> you all you can do is like you don't do anything more than like a minute. You know, like all, all your workouts are just like one minute repeats or. 30 second repeats or 20 second repeats you know that sort of thing where if you're doing a 2k you're doing five minute repeats you know seven or eight minute repeats even 10 minute repeats of different things because you have to for that length of time right so it's all very very specific interesting so how did this how when you started off tell me just a little bit about the history how did you get into rowing initially oh mate time off school yeah you know when you when you started school (laughs) You look at it and you go, oh, that looks pretty cool. And then you find out you get like a few weeks off here and there to go to different regattas and, you know, it's Fridays off schools to like travel to different places. You're like, oh, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was I was playing rugby at the time, like rugby union. And of course, um, so I was doing that in the winter and then playing like, and then rowing in the summer. So you, you come out of the rowing season and you're trying to make the top teams in your high school, and you, you go to the fitness session, which is literally a week after the rowing finishes, and you run circles around everyone, and they go, oh, well, you're in. And so <laughs> predominantly in New Zealand, because rugby is our national game, um, that's pretty much what happens is people just, um, like they'll row, yeah, they'll row the summer, and they'll play rugby in the winter, and the girls vice versa, like netball sort of our girls' game, or hockey, netball hockey and sort of a bit of football, and um, and so you, you just end up finishing, you know, the school things finished like end of last week. And of course, they're just about to start back in like into their winter stuff uh, in like two weeks time. So, you know, it's a perfect time and you haven't had to do any prep for the other stuff. You just, you pretty much turn up and you're already the fittest of the team. No, of course. 
from that rowing. Eric, did you yeah. did you feel like you had a little bit of an edge? I mean, not just size and your length because you're such a long person, but did you feel like you you how early did you know? You know, I'm pretty good at this rowing thing, and I'm going to try to take it very far. No, I I wasn't that great at school. Like our school, we we only had a few people doing it. We weren't in a big program. Um, yeah, I was big and I could push the numbers on the rowing machine, but I just had a good attitude, you know, and the coach just said to me, he goes, mate, you know, if you really want to take this somewhere, we'll help you, you know, I'll, I'll point you in the direction of the best places around the country to go. So, like, I was living up, you know, sort of just south of Auckland, and the coach at the time said, look, at the moment, the best club in the country is down in the South Island in Christchurch, you might as well, get, like, if you want to be good, go down there and train with all those guys, because, you know, if you want to be the best, you've got to train with the best. And so it was like, okay, see, I'm out of home and, and I'm off there to Christchurch. And and that was basically it. You know, if you've got the attitude, do it and just see where you can take it. Um, and it. And it took, it just goes up and down for so long. You know, everyone talks about the old roller coaster and it is because you think you're getting some improvement and then the next minute you go out and race and you sort of get like fifth or sixth and you're like, shit. And then, and then the next week or like two or three weeks later, you start training and, um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, you, you're back up into uh, you're back up into the the top tiers. So you know, it does. It just changes a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Was there a, a moment that you said, you know what, I'm going to get out of this and I'm not going to continue because it just got too hard? Because you don't take I don't take you as a person that I think you kind of take things in the best way. You kind of never get too high, never get too low, and and you don't let these things get to you. Um, you have tough skin. Was there ever a moment where it got like really hard and you were like, you know, I don't want to punish myself this much because it gets really hard? Oh, yeah, there were there were a few occasions. Um, like mainly when you get really disappointed from not achieving something which you thought you could achieve. You know, like um, you didn't uh, – like there was a couple of years where we went over to the World Champs and we got like beaten and stuff. And we should have been in, you know, we should have been in the top four or five. Yeah, in my time, there's probably two occasions where I was ready to throw in the towel. Um, one was like 2006. We went to the World Champs and we had a really crap performance. And um, there was a few things that went on. We had like a dead heat in a race, and we had to re-race. It was all this sort of other stuff. But ultimately, we weren't good enough in the end to be in the final. But we thought we were. You know, and so we had a really disappointing result, and I was like, you know what, I can't carry on like this. I'm, I've been here for sort of six, seven years, and <laughs> not really seen the result. So, you know, do I want to continue on? And, you know, at the time, my my partner, we, you know, we were engaged to get married, and so you're thinking, shit, should I just get on with life because we're not getting enough money, and et cetera, et cetera. And then I, I stuck with it, changed a little bit of direction that year, and then the next year we actually went out and won the world championships, um, which which was a really good choice. But then. Working into 2008, we we just we couldn't find the magic that we'd had the year before, and we were just slightly off the mark. Uh, and then, of course, we went to the Olympics in Beijing, and we got fourth in our semi-final. And so, of course, we didn't even make the final. And so, basically, I was like, "Fuck this!" Right, right. <laughs> Excuse my language. You know, I was like, "Oh, mate, I, you know, we went from." And then we, we won the B final, and then we watched one, two, and three from our semi-final go on to get gold, silver, and bronze. So you're sitting there going, "Well." I'll take some solace thinking we were probably the fourth fastest, but guess what? We weren't even in the final to have a nudge it in anyway, so you, you've got to say, oh, look, we, we ended up being seventh. So I was literally ready to go. Look, I'm, and I said, I'm taking a break. I'm going to do this. And um, 
and so yeah it was going to be it was going to be a break and um but then hamish approached me to do the pair and look rest history really it's incredible what, what goes through your mind once you get your first gold what went through your mind when you knew you won the first gold what was the first thought what were you feeling oh the the first like the the world championships when we when we won the gold um it was just an amazing feeling because you're just sort of like, this is everything you've worked towards to get to that point. And so it's like dream finally realized. You're just like, oh, this is amazing. You know, we've, we've managed to string everything together because you've got to string all your trainings or your nutrition, you know, you name it. You've got to get it all together, all right, on one specific day <laughs> in order to be the best in the world. And that's what we managed to do. And so, of course, you know, it's a massive relation because only one person in that boat class can be a world champion right. at that time you know and so it's like there's all of these people that try and there's so many people that try and never achieve and so you're just like awesome you know we've managed to do it and so that was awesome you know you'll always remember that moment um and then from there though once you win that then it's like okay i've been targeting this for for a long period of time now i've got to like step up the mark and start heading towards like olympic stuff and then see so basically your your focus turns from trying to be the best at world champs to being the best at the olympics great you know do you think if you had to say there's one attribute or one characteristic that you had like some people it's hard work some people it's a strong mind some people it's consistency and drive like what would that be and where does it come no, from? You, you need all of them yeah. and you need you you can't you can't just have you know you Say, oh, you know, but I've got this amazing attitude. Yeah, okay, well, but you need to have all of them in a certain balance. You know, it's 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 like the, the mental side's the same as the physical side. So in the physical side, you need, you know, oh, like in rowing, you need you need strength, you need endurance, you need technique, okay? and you need them. You can have them all in three different ways, or well, you can have them a million different ways, but. You know, if you're really strong, then you've got to have good technique because you're not going to have the endurance. Or if you've got a lot of endurance, you're not going to have enough strength, so then you have to figure out where the technique needs to lie in order to be to be good. And you could have amazing technique and be so, so strong, so, so fit, and you could be awesome. You know, so it doesn't matter. You can win and with them all in three different levels. It's just finding out what that actually works for you. And so when you need, with the attitude, like with the, the mental side, you need your discipline. Ultimately, you need attitudes number one. You've got to have a really good attitude in the way that you're, you're approaching things. But you've got to have that discipline. You've got to have that punctuality. You've got to have that self-belief. Um, you know, you name it. All of them have to be there. And some of them aren't good, you know, because there are people that are quiet, you know. So you think, okay, well, the, the way that they, they, they get geared up for something's not the same as somebody else, you know, or their self-belief might not be that good. They need their team to pick them up and go, yeah, we can do this, though. we can do this. Though. You know, so so there's, there's a whole range of different um, attributes, but you just have to figure out what yours is. So I was, I'm Hamish, I was optimistic. You know, I was like, oh, mate, no, I'm pretty sure we're good. Where Hamish was a pessimist, eh? he was like, oh, shit, you know, what? oh, man, you know, what happens if this, you know, shit, stuff could go wrong. And so you're like, okay. And so we balanced each other out perfectly. You know, so while he was worrying about things, I was like, no, 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 we're good, we're good. And then, and, but then vice versa is when when I was sort of worried about things, he'd be like, oh, no, but I'm pretty sure we did that the other day. I was really good. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, yeah, but no matter what it worked, we just managed to do it together really well. Right, right. So I noticed that this uh, concept two 
this uh, campaign, you all of a sudden came out of nowhere. Now you're putting up these training sessions. By the way, when you messaged me back and said, you're really going to like this one that you almost got sick, I was thinking that means I have to do it right now because if I don't do it right now, it's going to linger in my head over the weekend. Remember the uh, 5,000 meter warm up in one by one and two by two? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, that yeah, was, that's that's was a, a tough one. That was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Yeah, this. There's a couple of other ones we did over our time, which, um, yeah, I, I've got, it's got this list of, you know, like every athlete's probably got all oh, the hardest workouts you've ever done. And I've got some on the water and I've got some on, on the rowing machine as well. I, I don't know, I'm not sure if there's a specific word for it there, but it was, it's called the drop test. They do it on a bike. So basically it, it's like when you're like, you're testing lactate and, and it's an anaerobic threshold test where you you basically start as hard as you can, and I mean as hard and as fast as you can. Mm. So you're, you're hitting max straight off the money, and then you've got to hold that for a minute. Or, or when I mean hold it, you've got to limit, or you've just got to hold it for as long as you possibly can. So it's basically a one-minute sprint as for yeah for as long as you can. So you know I was hitting low you know teens you know like 112 113s or whatever and just trying to hold it and you watch the numbers just slowly climb and climb and climb and you're giving it everything you've got to do it okay and you so you do that one minute but you do it seven times and you have a, a six minute break in between so you think oh sweet i've got six minutes but because you've literally produced so much lactic acid oh, stuff, yeah. that it's horrible and so you're like you're warming down and you're just like, wow! I just did a minute max, and now I've got to do it again. And that 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 culmination and that build up over that time is just incredible. And so, like, do you do you know like you do a little bit with lactate stuff? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> I hit 23 millimole on my last one. So, you know, that, that, that's the sort of thing is you, you're building up, you're building up, you're building up, and then it just doesn't disappear because you just don't have enough time to, like, yeah. warm down or anything. You just have to perform it. You just have to deal with it, which is an awful feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and that's what that's the whole idea around it is because you know it's there, you know you've got to do it, and you just got to push through it. So in my last set, you know, like, I'm trying to push down to these low teens, and I get there for, like, one or two strokes, and then it starts coming up. And you've got to be focused and go, I'm not letting this machine beat me. I'm not letting this machine beat me. So this is where the mental aptitude comes in. And you just got to push as hard as you can. And like your muscles are fucked. And you just, your lungs are screwed. And you just got nothing to give. You know, you're cramping up everything. But you're not going to quit. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to let it beat you. And you just go, you just go for it. (laughs) And next minute you're like, finish. Oh, I know. So that's probably one of the number ones. And, and of course, it's more of a testing. And a, but, but that type of thing, you know, you, you have to, the only way to get better is to push your body further than you think you can do it. Right, you know, like right. you can't just you can't just sit there and, and train at a nice fairy pace all the time and go, oh, yeah, I've done, you know, and, and okay, there are people that, that just want to have fitness. Right. That's fine. You know, and if you just want to go for a jog, that's fine. You know, you, you keep your fitness, you can have a couple of wines and, you know, eat your steaks and, and chips and stuff every now and again, and that's fine. You know, you help work, health, keep a healthy sort of lifestyle by doing a bit of exercise and then eating what you want. Um, you know, but if you want to improve, then there's a way that you have to actually do that. And this is one of those ways. So after I'd done this, the body just goes, okay, that sucked big time. And now I'm next time I start feeling some, some lactate and shit like that, 
I'm going to deal with it a little bit quicker because I don't want to feel like that again. And, and that's basically what it does. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a tough one. I don't think I'm going to do it on this because it was yeah. horrible. Please, don't, I'm, I'd have to do it, so just keep that one in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so how did this come about? Uh, how, how did the Concept2 reached out and said, we wanted you to uh, start this uh, programming uh, series of videos? No, no, no. Basically, I was, um, you know, like I've always just done a little bit on the rowing machine, but it was nothing like overly serious. And um, like it, once I finished. And so I basically was just doing it for my own fitness again. And then the, the like indoor rowing, we're looking at trying to develop that around the world so it becomes a discipline under like the world governing body. Okay. And so then they can start like doing a whole lot of things with it, different levels, age groups, team events, you know, you name it. Because it's a pretty big sport and it's easily accessible. It makes if you if you can identify as being a rower, it's great for the for the for FISA, the world like the governing body, and then they can say to the IOC, you know, Olympic Committee that, oh mate, we've got you know, we've got a hundred million people around the world that like actively participate in rowing stuff, uh, you know, and, and so basically, I was like, okay, and then, so we were trying to develop a little bit of indoor stuff here in New Zealand, and I said, well, should I better just get on and do some stuff? And then I was approached by these an app developer. There's an app developer called a Sensei, and so they're going to do, and at the moment, we're doing a bit of stuff already. Um, and so they film me rowing, and then I'm talking and doing a whole lot of stuff, and then that gets put into an assisted coaching uh, app software. Okay. And so then you use that and you put that on your screen and it's got me rowing and then I set the workouts and then you get feedback live on the screen. So if you do, if we did like one minute on one minute off, then basically, um, you know, we'd, we'd get a, you'd get your time and you'd know what you you did and then you'd know if you went faster or slower. So it's giving you feedback at the same time. So it's a pretty cool concept and I think it'll be really good. Um, and so, so far we've done a bit of a pilot and now we're, we're moving on with it. So, that was another big push into why we did it as well. Okay, is that what you're using your uh, your your uh, iPad holder for? No, I'm just using that for either Erg Data. Okay. Um, do you use the app Erg Data? I, I do, but for some reason I had a difficult time with it shutting off and turning on and timing out. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna set up. I, I have a a room, a garage that I'm kind of finishing for. Uh, I'll put it online later that I'm going to be my rowing room and I'm going to kind of set it up. That's why I wanted, I appreciate you sending me the pics of the, uh, the components from uh, the Ram mount that I'm going yeah. to set it yeah. up in a similar way. So, but I do, I do want to use erg data. Uh, what do you track? What are you looking at everything or do you, are you watching uh power output? Oh, no, honestly, I only really just use the erg data to like keep track of all the stuff. Um, and then, I do watch a little bit of the second screen with, um, you know, like the stroke length and the for and the peak force and stuff like that. Because I'm ultimately not looking for a massive force. I'm looking for like the average force right. um, and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay. And I want to. I noticed that is one was one of your ergs gold. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a gold egg. I, I, I see you've got you got one that's painted up. A custom. yeah. We have a, a a member of our of our facility that is a very popular artist in Miami, and he he did he did a few designs. He did a Captain America, and he did one that was just very artistic. He did a great job with them. I think he's going to create some more for us. He does a great job with them. Great job with them. Yeah. So if if you know anything, if he knows anything about 
electroplating. It's called anodizing over here. Okay. And so basically, if you get bare aluminium, um, uh, if you get bare aluminium, you put a, uh, you basically dip it in an acid bath, which is like a coloured bath, and then of course all the electric currents and shit run towards it, and um, and then you've got um, you've got your uh, you've got your uh, colour on it. So basically, that's all we did with the gold thing. Okay. Was do it that way. Um, yeah, and so it's a it's a pretty good statement point, mm-hmm. um, and everyone likes it, but. <laughs> I was using it a bit much because we take we did a pink one like a bright pink, right? And we took it to a lot of the CrossFit stuff here in New Zealand, and, and like people were like, "Oh, can we buy it?" But of course, it probably cost you another six hundred bucks to right. get it all done up. So of course, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, you're, uh, you, people don't want to pay that like another sort of fifty percent in price. Well, you you might be able to make some money if you put yours up on eBay. People might want to buy that one. Yeah, well, possibly. Yeah. The um, so the right now, how long are you going to keep these this series go on for, and um, what do you have in store for us? Yeah, so once the Sensei app's up and running, then it'll probably start running more on that. Um, and then I'll still be doing the occasional thing like this, but because we'll be doing it through the app, um, you know, I'll pretty much be doing all of this that you that's that that I'm doing at the moment, right. But you'll be you'll be getting your own feedback from it because <coughs> that's one thing. Like a lot of people, a lot of people ask, you know, while it's while it's going on, they're like, "Oh, what's your split? What's your split?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, my split doesn't really matter, but <laughs> um, you know, like you you need to be thinking about what you're doing, and people want to get their feedback. So the only way that you can get your feedback is when you finish the piece and you go into the memory. So this is going to allow you to get feedback while you're doing it so it can say okay that last five minutes that you did was slower or it was faster and you can be like sweet and then it'll also like tell you if your rating's too high if your rating's too low or or whatever it is so yeah okay okay and a few more questions to let you go i thank you for the time it's been incredible no that's fine eric why why the barefoot rowing yeah good question everyone everyone asks the barefoot rowing the reason around the barefoot uh, sometimes you forget your shoes. Uh, you know, if you go down to training in the morning, because sometimes I, I never used to leave my erg shoes down there because they used to get so wet um, from all the sweat that runs down your legs that I'd take them home and try and put them in like the, the hot water cupboard. So, you know, like dry room or whatever you guys, I don't know what you guys have in, in America, but um, yeah, just to try and dry them out because it would be, they'd be nasty and they'd be wet and there's nothing worse than putting on like wet shoes and stuff. And so it, it sort of stemmed from that. And then ultimately over time, I was just like, you know what, actually it feels better and you can feel a bit more of a connection and the push. Um, and, uh, and, and that was, you know, for me, for what I'm trying to achieve in rowing, well, what I was trying to achieve in rowing, like every little, we talked about those marginal gains earlier on, all of those little things um, would just add up to like a huge advantage. So if you could get, a little bit better of a feel and a better push and all that sort of stuff, then ultimately it was going to make you go better in the long run. And so I was just like, look, if this is working for me, and, and on the flip side of that as well, the other thing which we did in all of our training when we were on the water is we used the dynamic row machine from Concept2. 
So I, I'm, you might have seen them. They're not huge. They're definitely not in a lot of gyms because they're like they're a they're a very technical machine. So basically, it's on rails, use, right? On the rails. Yeah, basically, you sit in one. You know, your seat moves a little bit. Um, it's got a bit of a bungee cord on it, but your feet come back and forward towards you. So, in terms of technique and rowing sense, that's what happens when you're on the water: is that the boat moves underneath you, so your feet come to you. That's the feeling that you want when you're on the concept two machine. Now, it's it's still a very good rowing motion, but it's still basically moving your body weight from one position right to the foot, right to the back. Um, and so we were like, okay, well, we'll use the dynamic a lot more because it made us better on the water. We still use the the other machine for all the testing and everything else. Um, but you know, in, in anything that you do, you try and find the little tools, the the little bits and pieces, the little things that are going to make you go better. Um, and that's what we did. So bare feet was was that for me, and I just carried it on. And because I'm not flexible, I've never ever been very flexible, no matter how much I worked on it. If I have. I have to wear very, very flat-soled shoes, you know, like almost loafers, uh, so that I actually can get the the feeling in my feet and my ankles when they twist up. Because if I've got too much sole on the bottom of my foot, it just feels like I'm in a weird position. I'm not like getting the right push and that type of thing. Right. And and it's like you know, ideally, you know, they talk about it in running and stuff. You know, if you could run and bare feet, it would be the best thing that you could do. But you can't because your feet would wear out. So. Um, yeah, it's it's basically just around that that feeling that you want, and and there's so many downsides to it. And like I don't, well, I don't really recommend it to a lot of people. If you can do it, it's you know try it, see how you feel, see if it's not like a huge amount different. But yeah, like if you don't get your heels in the right place, they flick out of the back. Right. Um, I, you I, can I, get blisters from the strap. Yeah, I saw. I like how the heel moves with you, and you can roll to the forefront of your foot. And then I noticed that you put tape on the heel heel cup, correct? Yeah. yeah. What kind of tape did you use? So you know that 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 like light brown coloured strapping tape that you'd get from a physio. So if you sprained your ankle, yes. you bloody and they'd strap the shit out of it. So that really strong stuff that you can sort of tear. Okay. That 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 stuff there because it's really sticky, but it it's also well, it's slightly water resistant. So you know, like if you're getting a strap, it's not going to absorb water. And so, of course, if your your feet start sweating or the sweat runs down the, the, the back of your leg, um, it's not going to create that sort of uh, like slip on the heel cup that's currently there and like flips up and down. So, okay, perfect. Mm. So, Eric, the last I think it's uh, five to ten questions here. Did just to learn a little bit more about you. It's just like a speed round. Give me a quick answer, and then there's two quick ones. Okay, Eric, what's your favorite food? <laughs> oh, chippies like potato chips. Oh boy! But I can't eat them. I can't eat them now. I've gone off. I've gone keto. Oh okay. Are you trying to are you trying <laughs> to lose a couple of kilos? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, well, yes, yes. But also, um, I reckon my body is situated to it because I feel so much better. I've got so much more energy all day long. Okay, awesome. Uh, favorite movie. <laughs> Favorite movie probably Shawshank Redemption. Wow, that's 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 actually my favorite movie. That's crazy. That one, that yeah. one. And have, have you seen The Count of Monte Cristo? Oh yes, oh yes. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's that's wicked. That's a powerful movie. <laughs> J- right. Jailbreaks. Great. Uh, favorite book. Uh, favorite book actually. Um, the Secret Race. 
by uh, Tyler Hamilton. Uh, yeah, is it secret? No, yeah, Tyler Hamilton's one. Is it the secret race? The secret race. We'll have to look that up. The one, the one Tyler Hamilton wrote about that basically was one of the starting things to blowing out Lance Armstrong. Understood. Understood. Yeah, oh mate, it's fucking awesome, mate. Like he's just he lays it all out, and then of course you see the documentaries with him going. Oh mate, we had this guy on the motorbike, and we did all this, blah 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 blah. And then of course Lance is like, no, 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 no. And then it all came out. It's like, fuck, it was true. Holy oh, shit. God. It's a great book because it just does everything. Like, you know, he talks one time about how he got the wrong blood from one of the guys. Wow. And, of course, he was just pissing and he was, like, feeling awful. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. That sounds good. Yeah, man. It's, it's awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite athlete that you look up to or looked up to when you were training? Uh, well, ultimately, at the time... Uh, you know, I, you look up to people like, uh, and especially because I was rowing, it was like the Steve Redgraves, you know, the Matthew Pinsons and, and like Rob Dow, obviously from New Zealand. He was a single sculler that won at the Olympics in, in Sydney. Um, you, you know, those those were the type of guys. Other than that, you know, because we're we're historical rugby people, you, you just looked up to the All Blacks here in New Zealand and you're like, oh, shit, I'd love to be an All Black because they're so good and you know, everything else. That's a, um, that's a great book as well. The book legacy about the all blacks. That's a great book. Yeah. 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 I know. That's an awesome one too. Mm. Um, all right. I'm sorry to interrupt the, uh, Eric, do you have a fave? What's your favorite music? I don't really have a favorite music to be fair. I could listen to anything. Okay. Um, you know, I, I probably do go back a little bit earlier. You know, you get some Chicago running or something like that going, okay. um, and I just have a huge mixture on my on my playlist, and even at the moment, I'm just listening to like whatever's current because you know you spend a bit of time in the car, you listen to the radio, so it's like, well, I might as well just listen to like New Zealand's Top Fifty, and it has all of that, and that's pretty relevant, and sounds pretty good. So I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, but perfect. <laughs> Favorite uh, hobby? Golf. I love my golf. Golf, oh, okay. Golf, okay. Yeah. You play, oh, you play, mate, every, yeah, play every day. How many times a week do you play? <laughs> I'd love to. I don't play enough. That's the thing. Is I'd I'd love to play. I just watch these guys, and it's a beautiful sport, and it's so challenging. Um, and I didn't do enough of it while I was rowing, but now I'm getting back into it. I go down to the driving range, and you hit some amazing shots, and you're like, shit, if I could do that every time. There is a definitely gifted athletes. Do you have, no, absolutely. Do you have a favorite quote? <sighs> yep. Um, Aristotle. And Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. That's a great one. Wow. Yep. That's a great one. Okay. In, in one minute, you're going to teach someone to become a better rower or a rower. Someone's starting rowing and you're going to give them as much uh, coaching in one minute as possible, like takeaways. And I've done this with a couple people, and I always learn something new. So in one minute, how can you teach someone to be a better rower? Okay, to be a better rower, you've got to accept that you're not going to be the best all the time. Uh, you are going to learn every day, and you have to figure out that time time is your best friend, but it's also your enemy. So you want to learn new things, and the biggest thing that you're going to realize is that it's really, really easy to learn something new. If I told you how to do something in a different way, you can do it straight away. But to break the old habit and the way that you used to do it for so much time 
is the hardest thing that you're going to find. Okay, so learning new things is easy. Uh, breaking bad habits, very, very difficult, takes a bit of time. And you'll see yourself grow. You know, you can, the time and effort that you put into it, rowing is the best sport where uh, work in equals results out. Mm-hmm. So the more time and effort you put into it, the more time and focus you put on it, the faster you're going to get, the better you're going to get, the faster numbers you're going to see, the more you're going to enjoy it. Um, and that's it. And make sure that you always have fun. If you start getting very serious, the fun element starts to decline a little bit, and you, but you still have to realize why you're doing it. It's because you love doing it. Awesome, man. That was incredible. Eric, thank you so much for your time. One of the nicest guys around, Eric Murray, just has been giving me great coaching and cueing and tips uh, online. This guy is special. Eric, thank you very, very much. I appreciate your time, No, no, no sweat. Anytime. All right, Anytime. Man. You take care, my friend. Best of the family. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Mark. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye.